0: Normally, when the notices are on, I'm getting my computer set up, but I couldn't stop watching. That was great, wasn't it? Praise the Lord! Just keep upholding She in prayer, and um, we're seeing incredible things happen. This morning, the provincial mayor brought his family to church, and in the appeal, he raised his hand, and we prayed for him this morning. Praise God. So, the mayor is a brother in Christ. So, that's fantastic, isn't it? Tremendous. Brought all his children and everyone to church this morning. And uh, so, that was fantastic. And um, we uh, are going to see him this week. Go and pray with him again. So, praise the Lord. Things are happening. The community is going to get changed. He's already giving you free water, you don't have to pay your water bill if it's under 200 baht, so whoever, what, what, what's going to come next? Who knows? Hallelujah. I don't know what comes next because I haven't got my thing on yet. <laughs> Actually, I do know what's coming. Praise the Lord. I think you all know what's coming. It's Paradigm 5, Part 2. Right. Praise the Lord. Here we go. Is it up there yet? Yep, here we go. Paradigm Five, Part Two. Anybody remember what Paradigm Five is? I have i um, I'll just have a look. What we got on here? We have a, a, a used battery as a prize, or a pink button. If anyone can remember, you can. It's your choice. You can have the used battery or the pink button. Anyone remember what Paradigm Five is? Well, I'll give you a clue. It begins with transformation. Must be be tangible. Whoa, that's great. Okay, let's just confirm that. Nation transformation must be tangible, and the premier social indicator is the elimination of systemic poverty. So, last week, we started to look at... uh, Two examples, one from the Old Testament and one from the modern day world. Uh, we looked at uh, Argentina. Has anybody been looking on the news at what's happening in Argentina this week? Are you getting interested? Are you sort of scanning the internet and seeing what's happening? Right? Some incredible things have happened this week. Uh, it's, it's just amazing. It's just like every day there's something new happening. Uh, if you, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a, a civil war going on in a country called Bolivia. And uh, it's quite, uh, it's affecting the whole of South America. Because Bolivia is the source of most of the natural gas that is found on that continent. And um, it came on the news this week that uh, all the countries. That depend upon Bolivia for their natural gas. Their gas has been cut off. Except for Argentina. Incredible. But there you go. It's just another thing that's happening. And uh, I really believe that God's blessing upon a nation makes a difference. Anyone believe that? Now, God's blessing on a nation happened because the people started to pray, started to seek God... And started to see things happen. And in the same way, we're seeing things happening all over the world. From Philippines through to uh, Uganda through to the United States. All around the world, things are happening. We brought testimony after testimony about things that are happening around the world. And praise God, we're starting to see things happen here as we dare to believe that God can cause change through us. Last week we examined how by the will of God, nations have been and are being transformed by his power and that this transformation is real. It's something you can see. It's something you can put your hands on. What we've just seen uh, that's happening in Patong is real. Lives are being changed. and People's lives are being affected. And it's going to have an impact on the community. I believe this is going to... uh, Phuket is not going to be... Uh, related to people coming on, on, on holiday for bar girls. It's going to be a place where families are going to bring their kids on holiday to, be, to come to nice hotels, a nice place where they're going to have a nice time. They're going to be blessed by God. They're going to come, want to come back because the people are so wonderful, because they receive such blessing. Uh, and, and part of what we're doing through She is a testimony to the power of God. How God can change a place. And we're starting to see things move. And people in important places are here in the message. Hallelujah. Now from the life of Joseph last week, we saw that everyone around him was blessed. It didn't depend, depend so much on what they did, it depended on what Joseph did. They were blessed because of Joseph, not because of themselves. And I want to suggests to you today that because Jesus Christ is in your heart, and if he's transformed your life, then your life makes the people around you better. It makes your street better, your housing estate better. It makes your city a better place. Phuket is better because you're here in a relationship with Jesus. And that is incredible to think that one life can change so many others now with this is our example this, this story of Joseph we saw how transformation can affect our nations today I just want to recap on three things before we move on to new things this week last week we saw That in order to see the transformation of nations. In order to see how we can affect our city for God. As we proclaim God's peace. As we allow that transformation that has happened in us. To to spill out and bless the people around us. Bless the community around us. We will see three things. We will see transformation. uh, Usher in the kingdom of God. Secondly, we will see God's people declare peace in his name and bring prosperity to the community, to cities and to nations. And thirdly, we will, res- we will see restoration occur. Family, friends, racial groups, nations. I think it's incredible the way that, that even in a, in a place like Phuket that has a history of maybe not the best relationships with the Burmese, that our Thai congregation and our Burmese congregation can meet together and have fellowship together and work together and love one another, and, and the ties will give to see uh, houses rebuilt in Burma. Last week we saw about the houses we were rebu- rebuilding in Burma because of the, uh, of the cyclone. And to see our Thai brothers and sisters praying for our Burmese brothers and sisters is fantastic. And it's not something that comes naturally. It comes when we are transformed by the power of God. We've got a Thai lady who comes to our church and she, she had a real hatred of the Burmese people. But when God demonstrated to her that he loved her, even though she'd been a sinner, as she repented and came to God, so God said to her, and now you need to love these people too. And so last Christmas she, she, I was wondering what was happening, but she bought these huge tins of biscuits and gave them out to all the Burmese folks. Because now they're not our enemies, they're our brothers and sisters. And this is the power of God. This is what God does. He transforms us, He changes us, and the, thing, the results are things that you can see and that you can hear. They are tangible. Praise the Lord. You see, Christianity is not just a thinking religion. I said not just. That means it is a thinking religion. Praise God. But it's not just about thinking. It's about doing. Amen. God wants us to love one another. And that is not just say, I love you. And then think something else. But it's actually to put that into practice. To demonstrate And and, and the Word tells us that. For God demonstrated His love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's nothing more tangible than the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest expression of love. And though you might not think you're worth it, God thought you were worth it. Isn't that incredible? Sometimes we don't think too highly of ourselves. But God thought so much of you and so much of me that he was prepared to die on the cross. Transformation will be tangible. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I believe that every single Christian has the potential to see transformation, not only in their own life, but also through them to see change in the community. God will change the people around you because you are there. And that's, fi- that's, that's vital for us to understand. If we are following the purpose and plan of God for our life, if we are serving Jesus Christ according to what He wants us to do, then His blessing upon us will affect the people around us, and they too will be blessed, just as the people around Joseph were blessed. And here's the incredible thing with Joseph. His commitment to God's plan, even though it meant he was thrown in a pit, even though it meant he was thrown in prison, even though he went through difficult times, his commitment to the plan and purpose of God led him to be elevated to such an extent that he touched the world. One man touched the world. Because of Joseph, Pharaoh collected the harvest for seven years. And when the famine came, which touched the whole world, every nation in the world went without food. It says that all the nations came to Egypt. They came to Egypt because of one man and the blessing of God upon him, he came to a position where from the pit where he was thrown to be killed... He came to a position where he fed the whole world. That is incredible. What God can do in Joseph, God is capable of doing in you. Isn't that incredible? What an amazing thought. God can do that in you. He can touch nations. It only takes one person. You don't know what's going to happen. You can... Minister to one person. Meet their felt need. And the ripple effect from helping that one person can change an entire nation. That is incredible. My mum became a Christian when she went to listen to Billy Graham. And one thing that I've always thought about is Billy Graham, probably the greatest preacher who's preached to more people than anyone else who've ever lived. Millions and millions and millions of people have listened to Billy Graham. And just one thought that came to me once was, who's the greater? Billy Graham or the guy that led Billy Graham to Jesus? That, that guy might have only led one person, but that one person was Billy Graham. Incredible. And you don't know what your one act of kindness will do. You just do not know. This is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the potential that each one of us has to see transformation, not just in our life, but by faith in God. We can see it happen in the nations. Now, in 1980, there was a man named Donald McGavran. He's probably still around, he didn't live just for one year. And he wrote. A groundbreaking book that most theologians will have read. And it's called Understanding Church Growth. It was supposed to be uh, uh, the the standard book for world missions. How to go and plant churches in different parts of the world. Understanding Church Growth. Donald McGavran, And in it he describes a process which he called redemption and lift. Now redemption and lift... Describes the way in which anyone who genuinely comes to faith in Jesus Christ experiences the blessing of God, which dramatically changes every aspect of their lives, including their health, their education, their finance, technology, security, and relationships. In other words, it, effect, it affects every aspect of their life. Praise the Lord! This is the power of the gospel. When you become a Christian, you become better in every way. Do you believe that tonight? Have you seen it in your own life? You know, if people are just the same as they were before, then what's the point? Why believe in Jesus if you're the same as you were before? Why do it? Why come to church? Why bother? Praise the Lord. I mean, this is great stuff for me to preach, isn't it? are you in getting encouraged why bother coming you know I mean if there's no difference you might as well be down sorry Bangla having a good time you see because if nothing happens but praise God something does happen When you come in touch with Jesus Christ, your life changes. And it changes for the better. I am better in every way, hallelujah, than before I was saved. You might not believe that, but it's true. And you can be too. I have not met anyone who's genuinely come into a relationship with Jesus Christ who's not been better off. They might not have had things that they had in the past. And they might have thought, well, those things were good. Just think of the children of Israel. When they left Egypt, they did nothing but moan about how better it was in Egypt. We were better as slaves. But they didn't understand what it was like to be free in God. They moaned and moaned and moaned. Oh, it was better back then because we had nice food. But they were slaves. Now they were free. And the food was good, but it's just the same every day. But it was good food. It came straight from heaven. Now, I love Thai food. I love Tam. It's my favorite. But I can't eat it every day. I'd, I'd look like I'm uh, 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 trying to obtain the kind i look like a papaya I'm trying to think of the English <laughs> I am trying to say Malachor but most of you wouldn't know what that was Okay, um, i look like a papaya if I had tom time every day I'd turn into a piece of fruit well at least one person thinks I'm a dishy piece of fruit anyway but I mean <laughs> and one's enough But God makes you better in every way. In your relationships. Boy, I had some weird relationships before I became a Christian. What about you? When I became a Christian and I gave my heart to God and I said, Lord God, show me the person who's right for me. God led me to the best woman in the world. Praise the Lord. Now if you're married to someone else, Which you probably are because she's married to me. (laughs) You might disagree. But to me she's the best in the world. Hallelujah. And only God could do that. Because I'd even know she existed. And God took me halfway around the world to find her. But praise the Lord. There she was. Just as he promised. You see God gives you the best for you. If you let him. Redemption and lift. It's a truth. It's a spiritual principle. I am better because Jesus lives in me. My relationship with God enriches me beyond that which any other relationship or material benefit can Now, we actually see this effect of redemption and lift right from the start of Jesus' ministry on earth. John the Baptist wanted to know whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. So he sent some of his disciples to ask Jesus who he was. Now, John the Baptist is maybe typical of a lot of us. We want proof of everything. right? Now, just think of it. John the Baptist has been preaching that the Messiah is coming. Right? And he's so... Um, fervent in his preaching that he eats locusts and wild honey. He must have been Thai. He's got to be been Thai. Because, I mean, you can go to the end of the road here and get locusts. right? I, so, you know, he, he must have been. And he had locusts and wild honey and preached every day. The Messiah is coming. Repent. Repent. The Messiah is coming. And so, Jesus comes. And he gets baptised by John. And John sees... The Holy Spirit descend from heaven like a dove. And he hears the voice of God. This is my beloved son. And so then. Right? He's still not convinced. So he said to his disciples. Go and ask Jesus if he's he's the one. Right? I mean he's heard God tell him he's the one. But he's still got to ask again. It's a bit like some of us. Right? We're like that. You know. Um, Are you sure God? Right? Uh, Can I check again? You know? I want it in triplicate. and, And... and, and double, you know, double signed and in front of a lot of witnesses. Right? I need to know. So he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, who, y- who are you? So then we get in Luke 7. Now it says, Luke 7 on there, praise the Lord. It didn't this morning, but never mind. Somebody's changed it. Oh, Amen. It said John 7, which was wrong. But now it says Luke 7. Isn't God great? The miracle has happened from this morning to this evening. The word of God has corrected itself. <laughs> right, so Luke 7, 21 to 23, says this. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. That's tangible. What you have seen and and heard it is tangible change it is tangible transformation the blind receive sight the lame walk those who have leprosy are cured the deaf hear the dead are raised and the good news is preached to the poor blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me Jesus preaching and teaching was followed by signs and wonders that were real okay You're not quite sure who I am? Argue with this. Raise him from the dead. Heal him. You're not quite sure who I am? Watch this. Storm be stilled. It was tangible. It was real. People could feel it. They could see it. They could touch it. They could smell it. Hallelujah. Transformation was in the air the moment that Jesus started his ministry. People were changed significantly. Significantly. Not just because they were healed. Not just because they were raised from the dead. Praise God. I mean what more evidence than you want. Lazarus was, was, was in the tomb. Three days. And Jesus comes. And he tells him Lazarus come forth. Well it's, it's amazing. He could, he could come last if he's dead. And let alone come forth. <laughs> Praise the Lord, sometimes we want to come first, don't we? But Lazarus came forth. If you're dead, you wouldn't mind coming last. So <laughs> Lazar- Lazarus, come forth. And so he came. And I love I love the, the King James version of the Bible. Because it says this, this wonderful phrase. He says, Behold, he stinketh. Now, if you'd been dead for three days, you wouldn't be looking too good either. Right? There was no Chanel around. You hadn't got a new set of clothes. This guy had been rotting for three days. The flies and the the cockroaches had moved in. They were, I mean, you know, setting up home. And it says, behold, he stinketh, but life came out of death. This is transformation. This is tangible. This is real. Something happened. But it wasn't just because of healing or raising people from the dead. The real thing here was that they were blessed. They were blessed. That's why we tell people to go and bless the community. The power of blessing is incredible. Zacchaeus. was an incredible guy. He was this tax collector in the city of Jericho. And I want to tell you, he was the most despised person in the city. Everyone hated him. Now, I'm sure there's no one in that position here, because we love you. Okay, look, I'm telling you, I love you anyway. Nobody else does, I love you, praise the Lord. I don't know you maybe, but I still love you praise God because God's loves in me I want to love you too now you might be a difficult person to love but I'm going to try hallelujah so right from the start you're better off than Zacchaeus was because nobody loved him no one in that city liked him because he was a tax collector and he was a corrupt one he took more than he should But he had the might of the Roman Empire behind him to do it. And so people were scared of him. They feared. And where there's fear, then that breeds a whole load of hatred and contempt. So he's a guy that nobody loved. And Jesus comes to town. Nobody up until the day Jesus came to town took any interest in Zacchaeus. And so Jesus sees him in the sycamore tree. What does he do? Look, this is incredible. Jesus didn't do a miracle. Jesus didn't raise someone from the dead and say, hey Zacchaeus, watch this. Whoa. Jesus didn't turn water into wine. He didn't heal the cripple. He didn't do anything with the weather. He just said, Zacchaeus, I see you. I notice you. I want to eat my dinner with you. I accept you. I see your pain. I see your loneliness. And I'm here to change things. Is that incredible? It's not all about the big miracles. It's about establishing God's peace. And if you read that, that passage so many times, I've heard people preach on it, and they might talk about uh, being in debt and repaying your debts. And a lot of people focus on the fact that he gave back four times as much as he took. But that, where it, the Bible story explains something more potent than that. Something more potent than that. You see, if you're a poor person, if you've got nothing, how can you pay tax? What's 10% of Nothing. Nothing. You can't pay anything. And in Jericho, Jericho was full of poor people. It was full of rich people. It was where Herod had his summer palace. It was where lots of the the elite would go for holidays. It sounds like Phuket, doesn't it? The Phuket of Israel. Jericho. It was the place of a thousand palm trees. It was a place of Beautiful water and refreshing springs. It was the best spring water you could find anywhere in Israel. Jericho. It was the summer residence. It's where, you one, where one spent one summer. If they could, they'd have flown there. Incredible place. Yet it was full of poor people. People who had nothing. And the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus gave half of what he had to the poor. He wasn't, he hadn't done anything to them. But this is what transformation does it blesses everybody. It blesses even the people that you're not in relationship with. It blesses the community. Joseph didn't personally know every nation in the, all the people in every nation in the world, yet all the nations were blessed through him. And Zacchaeus blessed the poor people with half of what he got. Then, with what he got left over, he repaid the people, the rich people, that he'd take money off, too much money off. His first act was to reach out to the poor. And in that day, poverty became a thing of the past in Jericho. He dealt with poverty in that place. It's an incredible thing. Everybody had their needs met. Because Jesus said to Zacchaeus, "I want to have a meal with you tonight." Isn't that amazing? This is the power of the gospel. Now, the good news that we share bears fruit. That is tangible. It leads to blessing, it becomes the doorway for God's peace. Not just for ourselves, but for our community. Now, let's look at John 14. John 14, 11 to 14 says this. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Anyone got faith in Jesus? Hallelujah. There's loads of Zacchaeuses out there. Anyone who believes or has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Pressure's on. Hallelujah. Not tonight. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The pressure's on. Hallelujah. He will do even greater things than these. Because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. So that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name. And I will do it. What a promise. Right, now who's that promise to? Right? It's to you and to me. Say to the person next to you, yeah, that means you. Praise the Lord. That's a promise to you and to me. Jesus said that we can carry on his work. Seeing even greater miracles through faith in Christ. Now, in other words, transformation can come to our city, through our nation, through you and me as we carry out the work that Jesus started. That's only what happened in Argentina. That's only what's happening in the Philippines. That's only what's happening in Indonesia. That's only what's happening in Uganda. That's what's happening in these nations where we're hearing about transformation, about things, incredible things taking place. It's because people believe that they've been empowered to carry on the work of Jesus. It's as simple as that. Now is the time. Now is the day of salvation. Hallelujah. We are not wait for some particular special blessing period. Now is the time. It happens in you and it happens in me. And we've got to rise up. Rise up. Take hold of the promise. And believe it. Because I believe this promise. This promise doesn't say, you know... Hold on to this promise and wait until the door opens. Right? It's not you're not like a you're not like queuing up to go to a film, the cinema, and you've got to wait till the door opens before you can get in. This promise is for now. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's exciting stuff, isn't it? Who said church was boring? When, now, now, we've got to understand these verses, right? Especially the when it says greater things, you'll do greater things than these. Right? You've got to understand this is not something we do better than Jesus. Can't do anything better than Jesus. Right? He's the numero uno, okay? You can't get better than Jesus. So what does it mean? We can do better than these. You see, God honors his own word. Isn't that incredible? God honors his own word. He says, even above his name. Now, God's name is so powerful because we we use it every time we pray. We believe in the power of the name of Jesus. But God says, I will honor my word above my name. And the word of God tells us that when two are in agreement, whatever we agree, it shall be done. So this is not saying, you go and do better than Jesus. This is actually saying, get in partnership with Jesus. And the two of you together can do great things. Hallelujah. And even Jesus, all the wonderful things that Jesus can do in partnership with you and me, following the will and plan of God, He can do even more. Isn't that incredible? Because even Jesus conforms to the truth of His Word. So it's talking about partnership. We can do greater things because we're in partnership, one with another, and partnership with God. That's why it's greater. That's why it says that, it says, because I am going to the Father. If Jesus didn't go to the Father, He couldn't be present by the power of His Holy Spirit with us all. So Jesus is not just doing things wherever His feet go, Jesus is doing things wherever our feet go. Hallelujah. And when we grasp this, we see the power of the gospel at work, not just in us, but through us, affecting the community. Now, you bear with me one, we've just got one more thing to look at, one more piece of scripture. We're looking at the Lord's Prayer, part of it. The Lord's Prayer, and the part we're looking at, is the bit that says, Your kingdom come. That's what we're praying, isn't it? We want the kingdom of God to be established. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's a commitment, not just... You know, sometimes we pray this, your will be done, like, God, make your will be real in everybody else. But that's not what this prayer is about. It's actually saying, Lord, help me to do your will. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As it on earth, as it is in heaven, and then he says, or then we're told to say, "Give us this day our daily bread." I've got to tell you something. It's not about food. It is not about food. It's about what we need to get that job done. It's about everything that we need to see God's kingdom come. On earth as it is in heaven. It's about everything that we need to see the will of God unfold in our life. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. Now you can pray the prayer itself, or you can pr- use it as a as a, uh, a model on which to pray. Seeking God to cause his kingdom to come through us and as such to equip us with all we need to accomplish the task. That is our daily bread. Or as we said this morning, our daily rice. Hallelujah. <laughs> now through the principle of redemption and lift, we see how when we enter into the God's kingdom, he supplies our daily bread. Everything we need. You see, it doesn't give us everything we want. There's loads of things I want, I haven't got. But everything I need to do the job that God's called me to do, it's there. I have never, ever gone short. Serving God, doing His will, I've always had what I need to get the job done. Always. God supplies our daily bread. What kind of a God have we got if He says, do this, dangles a carrot, and then... Takes it away from us. What kind of a God's that? Is that a God of love? No, that's a comedian. And I don't serve that kind of God. My God is a God of love who does what he says. And when he says, I'm go there, and he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I want to tell you, he means it. He means it. He was always there and he underwrites everything that he asks us to do. Without exception. Now through the principle of redemption and lift, we see how when we enter into God's kingdom, He supplies our daily bread. And as my faith grows, so I see more and more how the hand of God works to supply my daily needs. The more I follow Jesus, the more I grow in Jesus, the more I commit my way to Jesus, the more He supplies everything I need to get the job done. Now let's take it one step further. Because as I serve God and His purpose, so I am equipped to extend His kingdom so that other people receive His blessing and start to see God supplying their daily bread too. This is transformation. So as I commit to serve God... God blesses me, and through me, he blesses other people. And as I learned to serve God, what he gives me, I learned that it's better to give than receive. And so, the more he gives me, the more I give. He gives me more, so I give more. And it just continues and continues. And I found one thing I cannot, I never have been able to, and I don't know anyone who ever has outgiven God. You can't do it. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I've got a mangy dog. I cannot outgive God. Well, actually, she was washed last week, so maybe not quite so mangy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It's transformation as transformation that happens in the community there will be tangible evidence that God's blessing is making a difference. The difference will be measured by the effect upon systemic poverty. Now you're all bursting at the seams and saying, look, you've been telling us about this jolly systemic poverty for the past ten years. Come on, what does it mean? Well, tonight I'm going to put you out of your misery because we have a definition. Hallelujah. What does systemic poverty mean? Well, first of all, we're going to look at what poverty is. Now Ed Silvoso, in his book, Transformation, says that poverty is lacking our daily bread. And so whatever we need to serve the purpose of God, if we don't get that, we are poor. And so you can actually be very wealthy And yet be poor. Because it's not just about money. It's not just about possessions. Rich people find it very difficult to have real friends. Do you know that? Think of the prodigal son. When he had in his inheritance, he was wealthy. And he had lots of friends. He had more friends than he could name. And there would be new ones every day. And he would spend his money and they would spend his money. And he'd have a good time and they'd have a better time because he was paying. And the money went down and down and down and down. Until in the end, the only friends he got were pigs. And they weren't friendly because he was trying to eat their food. So, <laughs> where are all his friends gone? they have gone with the money. So how can a rich person know who his real friends are? It's true, isn't it? How can they tell? Are you my friend because of the benefits... Or are you my friend because you like me? It's difficult. Rich people don't actually know whether they've got real friends or not. There's several people being examples of that recently in this country. I won't name names, but you know what I'm talking about. What happens to the friends? They disappear to the opposite side of Parliament. People that were friends, when you had power and influence and money, are now saying, we never liked him anyway. It's incredible, isn't it? And you know what? When the people they're aligned with now, when they lose the power and the influence and authority, They won't be friends with them either. So you can be poor in many ways. Poor in relationships. Poverty is lacking our daily bread. So what's this systemic poverty? Systemic poverty is the system that perpetuates such deficiency. We need to realize that poverty is deficiency of all kinds. Spiritual, emotional, and physical. And the answer to these problems, the thing that's going to change these problems, that's going to transform these problems, is also something which encompasses the spiritual, the emotional, and the physical. And the only thing that meets the criteria to meet those three needs is God's peace. Nothing else. Nothing else can meet those three areas. Nothing but the peace of God. That's why, if you wondered why, I mean, it's a great verse, and we often quote it, but it says, the peace of God that passes all understanding. Why does it pass all understanding? I can understand peace a lot. Why does it pass all understanding? Because it meets me in whatever need I have no matter where I am, God's peace comes to me. And incredible. Incredible stories of people in desperate situations where they have an unfaltering relationship with God and God meets their need. Some of the things that I've heard, I would have difficulty believing if I hadn't had incredible things Happened to me today. I was sharing with a couple who were sat in church today. Uh, uh, a couple who are on honeymoon. Whoa! And they were they, they were having difficulty believing me about a miracle I was telling them about. And it, he's having us on, and I'm not. Praise the Lord! But i I've thought, I've thought that. But I, I've seen things happen in my life by the power of God and so when I hear stories it's incredible I remember uh, and Margaret was involved in this even more than I was we we prayed for years for a pastor in Romania who was in prison in Romania he was in prison for 20 years and they were that annoyed with this guy they locked him in a cell for 20 years and didn't feed him right now (laughs) some of us get a bit upset after 20 minutes no food, 20 minutes, come on, give us a break. There's always some food going around in the church office. It's, it's always, there's food going in and out. bee has got chocolate coming out of her eyeballs. She's got that much chocolate, I've never known anybody have so much chocolate in my life. And she comes, and she comes into my office, now I can't have chocolate. I can have sugar free chocolate, but I can't have the normal stuff. Right, and she comes and she starts presenting all this really exotic chocolate to Margaret in front of me. So she loves me immensely, right? But B has got chocolate. I mean, there's stuff going. Some of the stuff you wouldn't want to want to know about. But um, some of the stuff that Nock brings in, you wouldn't want to know what. yeah, Dave's always sick. So, what's the matter, Dave? Oh, I got a bad stomach, right? So I mean, he eats it. He eats it as well, right? <laughs> So there's always food about. I don't even know what I'm talking about now. I've lost the lost the plot. Hallelujah! How did they get onto that? Yeah, the guy in prison. Yeah, they didn't feed him. Yeah. Sometimes it's short circuit. It's age. Right, short circuit happens and you lose the plot. Praise God! Anyone listening to the CD, I'm okay. <laughs> So this guy was in prison, no food, 20 years. And they opened the cell expecting to see a pile of rotted carcass. And he was there, after 20 years. And what they kind of couldn't believe, the folks said, what are you doing still alive? You know? I mean, as you would. I can't believe who let you in, and they're looking around for the dead guy. Right? And there's only this bloke in, the, in in the cell. How are you still alive? And he said, every day, the presence of God would fill the cell, and He would nourish me. And God told him that it was the prayers of the people in the West that were praying for him, that was giving him nourishment. And twenty years, he didn't even. Twenty years, you'd go mad on your own. But he was in the presence of God every day, and he said it seemed like he was only in there for a week, and twenty. And we know this because we heard the guy, we met the guy, we've shaken hands with the guy, we've hugged him. He's, we've seen him, we met him, and this guy, absolute, the, the 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 hairs on your on your arms stood on end because you knew this guy had been in the presence of God on a regular basis. He absolutely beamed out love. Total love. And he had to learn how to eat again. Isn't that incredible? And he felt disappointed because the presence of God food tasted better. Isn't that fantastic? God's peace can meet every single need. Now, if we understand this, that there is a system that perpetuates such deficiency. This system started at the fall. Ed Silvoso in his book refers it to as refers to it as the Babylonian system. It's the system that is controlled by de- demonic forces. You don't believe in demons, or well stick around a couple of weeks because the vegetarian festivals come in and after that you will. But praise God, I'm not going to focus on that too much. I'm going to focus on something else. There is another system. There is a better system. And it counteracts and it overrides the effects of sin. This system was established when Jesus died on the cross and rose again to build his church. And that's what church is all about. It's all about putting an end to the system of systemic poverty. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. All about putting an end to systemic poverty. Because obviously it is a system. Now the question is, and the question that I want to ask with you tonight, next week I'm going to look at the different start, kinds of poverty. Whether you're rich, whether you're poor, poverty affects all of us in some way. But the question tonight is this. Which system do you want to influence you? I asked this question this morning. A number of people responded. And Kun Pai Boon, the administrator, mayor of the island, whatever you want to call him the Nayok obo jaw is the best thing really in Thai he responded he says I want to be under the blessing of God isn't that fantastic under the blessing of God praise the Lord so what influences you what system influences you what do you want this is a question of lordship now the test is easy. If God is sovereign Lord in your life, then he will provide your daily bread and you will be able to uh, and you will start to be an influencer for the kingdom of God. Do you want to be influenced or do you want to be an influencer? This is incredibly simple. Who do you want to serve? Bob Dylan sang the song. You've got to serve somebody. Either it's the Lord or it's the devil. But you've got to serve somebody. And I choose because thankfully God won or designed me to have free will. I choose to serve the Lord. I want to, issue, I want to utter the same words that Joshua uttered. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As long as the boss says that's okay. (laughs) That's okay, right. So I'm going to look at me at first, but never mind. She will deal with me later. (laughs) Pray for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's going to deal with me later as well. Hallelujah. (laughs) The important thing. And we can we can laugh, we can joke, but the message is real. The message is real. Who are we going to serve? Are we going to serve God? And build his kingdom? And see his peace established? not just in our life but in the community in which we live to see his peace established in every school in every office in every uh, uh, factory in the government in the hotels well what a fantastic thing that will be to advertise Phuket as a holiday holiday destination where you will find perfect peace isn't that incredible Remember the testimony from King Flores in the Philippines of the, of the hotel chain. It started off as a place where people went for prostitution. And now when King Flores comes along and the owner gets saved and they start praying and changing things. Now, when people come into the hotel, they are given a note which says that says that we'll be praying for you. Your, your room has been prayed for. And we're praying for you on a daily basis that you will find God's peace in this place. You will have a restful time. You'll have the best holiday you've ever had. What a fantastic thing that people would come all over the world simply because when they're here, they find peace. I'm going to tell you, you find peace in a place, you'll go back to it. The best thing that can happen to the hotels in Phuket is not some gimmick, is not some uh, uh, discount, but it's the peace of God. People will pay to get peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The best thing for this island is God's peace. The best thing for this nation is God's peace. And when I look at you, I see Joseph's. Hallelujah. I see a bunch of Joseph's. You're a right bunch of Joseph's. Hallelujah. The potential is there by faith to believe what influences you is it the kingdom that perpetuates deficiency poverty or is it the system established by Jesus Christ that ushers in his kingdom and establishes his peace his shalom hallelujah hallelujah you know, that's why the, all the Jews will have the word, say shalom to one another. It's so powerful. It's even part of their greeting. When they come together and when they part, they say shalom. God's peace. Peace be with you. You know, Christians used to say that. We've stopped saying it. Why is it? Is it because the Babylonian system is trying to get us onto a different tack? Trying to make us think that the way that we're going to see the world shake is by, uh, you know, um, barking like a dog or clucking like a chicken and falling on the floor. It's God's peace that's going to change things. Hallelujah. And we are ministers of His peace. Let's pray. Father God, speak to us. Lord Jesus, we've heard Your Word and Your Word is powerful. It births faith within us. It helps us to know that there is a system. There is a way. Just as the early Christians were, were called the followers of the way. There is a way in which you can bring transformation to us and transformation to our city, to our nation. You can do that in us. As we recognise the awesome power of your gospel. To meet our every need. To supply our daily bread. So that we can do what you want us to do. But Father, for that to happen, we have to surrender our lives to you. We have to say, Father... We thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus. We thank You, Jesus, that You died on the cross so that we, our sins would be forgiven. And even though our sins are many, yet, Lord, we recognize that there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. That His blood was shed on the cross so that we might be forgiven for everything we've ever done wrong. I don't know the details of Your life. Only you do. And God. God perhaps remembers them better than you do. But God, in Jesus Christ, offers forgiveness of sin. He says, come to me and I will forgive your sin. Accept me. I will forgive your sin turn away, repent from those evil ways and you will know not only forgiveness but you will know God's peace in your life. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace of God that comes to you and refreshes you in ways that no other thing can. The peace of God that is the answer to any kind of poverty whether you are spiritually impoverished whether you are physically impoverished or whether you are emotionally impoverished God will meet your need if you only turn to him and say Jesus help me I believe in you touch me bring peace whether it's healing whether it's acceptance whether it's just to know that I'm forgiven so I can make a new start so all the things that have fashioned my life up till now I can make a new start because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. If that is you tonight, I want to pray for you. If you want to say, yes, I want to make a new start in Jesus. You might even already be a Christian, but you want to say, tonight I want to make a new start because I want this peace in my life. I want this peace in my life. If I can pray for you, and show me very simply, just raise your hand and say, yes, I want a new start. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Is there anyone else tonight? You want a new start in Jesus? Raise your hand. When I've seen it, you put it down. I've seen it. Thank you. Anyone else? Praise you, Jesus. Father we pray for these who raise their hands that desire a new starting year and we ask Lord God in Jesus name whatever the need whether it's for salvation lord help them to know your peace that they're forgiven in Jesus name if it's healing in Jesus name touch them in their body right now by the power of God by the power of God in Jesus' name. If they need some assurance of their salvation, in Jesus' name, right now, establish your peace that passes understanding. Lord God, if they need to know that you care for them in the depths of your heart, establish that relationship in Jesus' name. I really believe before I pray anymore that God wants you to know that you are special to Him. That He loves you. And He's seen the fear and He's seen the hurt. And He's seen the emptiness. And He says to you, just as He says to Zacchaeus, I'm noticing you. I can see you. I know you're there, and I love you, and I care for you, and I'm going to stand with you. You are not alone, because God sees you, and hears you. He hears the cry of your heart, and He says, peace to you, peace to you. I want to pray one more thing I want to be an influencer I believe the time is now the time is right for this city for change to happen I believe in what we are doing in Patong hallelujah I believe it's from God I believe it's God blessed and I believe we're going to see mighty things happen. I believe what we're doing in the schools. Hallelujah. I believe God is going to do things in an incredible way. I believe now is the time. I believe in what we're doing in the community. I believe in what we're doing as people rise up to be marketplace ministers in the place where they work. In the schools, in the government. I believe that God's going to reach out to more and more people and God is going to move in power and Phuket is going to rise up as a beacon to the rest of Thailand and the rest of Southeast Asia. I believe God is going to do that because I believe in the God of Joseph. Hallelujah. I know what he can do, what I have seen, what I have heard, and now what I believe. And I believe hope is the evidence, it's tangible, of things that we have believed in. In Jesus' name. It's not some dream, but it is a fact that God is going to move. Hallelujah. So Lord, we pray, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Challenge us, Lord. Take us to a place we've not been before. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Doesn't matter how experienced you are in the things of God. Lord, take me to a higher place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Take me to the higher ground. There's still a gap between me and heaven, so I can get higher up. Hallelujah. So, Father, take me there. Help me to be an influencer not be influenced by the world around, not to sit by and criticise and say, well, it could be better. But rather to say, it will be better because Jesus is in me and I am here. It will be better and we will see an end to systemic poverty. We will see opportunities given to people who have no opportunity. We will see things done in a way which doesn't Cause greedy people to succeed. But brings justice and fairness to all. We will see people actually think about other people. Rather than themselves. We can establish these things. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's your desire. I just want you to, to pray in... In your heart, as I pray right now, Lord God, help me to be an influencer for the kingdom of God. I no longer want to be subject to the whims, to the wind of the Babylonian system, to be blown wherever that system would have me go, to be a slave to desire. But Lord, knowing that you will supply my every need, my daily bread, I believe that you will equip me to extend your kingdom and see transformation come to Phuket, my city, God's city, reality, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you. We're going to transform some empty cups into coffee and tea.